0: Hi, everybody. This is Matt Taylor, TV editor of thepopbrick.com. Welcome to, and the winner still is, our, uh, Popri- the Pop Brick's Oscar retrospective. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Marissa Carpico. Say hi, Marissa. Hello. And we're here to talk about the 2005 Oscar season. That is an, a pretty infamous year in Oscar history, I guess, in, up until this year, <laughs> um, where... Crash won Best Picture, one of the more unpopular Oscar winners, I guess you could say. (laughs) I think that's that's pretty fair. Um, But what I didn't realize as we started watching these films again is how many really great movies were actually from this year that are not as heavily discussed. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something we can unpack here. And um, this year is pretty interesting for me because it's one of the first that I actually followed like the press for i was in uh let me check the date like sixth grade i think through much of this oscar season (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'm not even that much older than you and that really that's just fucking rude i'm sorry but i can't i can't lie it's important to set the scene because um this is really showing my age i i followed this oscar season but i was only allowed to see capote (laughs) Um, <laughs> in, in like with my my family would only let me see Capote. I was allowed to see Good Night and Good Luck, but I thought it looked boring, mm. so I did not go see that one. But um yeah, this is an interesting and interesting year. A very once we get to the last half of our episode, where we unpack um different films from that we love from this year that should have been nominated. There's a lot of formative Matt Taylor movie experiences, so it should be interesting. But let's start with the. Very controversial Best Picture winner, Crash. This is the story of a bunch of people in Los Angeles of all different races who learn that racism is a thing that exists, and it is bad. Shock! Like just in case none of you knew, um, it has racism
1: sorry. is so bad it throws Sandra Bullock down a staircase.
0: It does. One could say she's racist. like that made her even less racist by the end of the movie. It's a it's a wild movie, <laughs> Crash that we can't even begin to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to try. It also starts Matt Dillon as a racist cop. Mm-hmm. Um, Tansy Newton as a victim of a racist cop. Um, mm-hmm. Terrence Howard. Uh, Michael Pena. Uh, d- at least a dozen other people that I'm thinking out on. But
1: Brendan Fraser. Oh, um, God. So many people. It's it's a Don Cheadle. Lorenz Tate, which was a big deal for me at the time, but it's really not for anyone else. Um, oh, Ludacris. This was like you know, the beginning of his film career. Oh, yeah. And um,
0: what's his name? Ryan Philippi. Fili- Fili- F- Ryan Phillippe. Ryan yes. A name that I always think I'm like, it can't be pronounced Philippi, but it is. <laughs> um, so, and it's directed by Paul Haggis, um, a noted former Scientologist who, um, oh. yeah, who I don't think really directs anything that, like, he did, um, what is it called? Um that the in the Valley of Ella, that was it. Yes. Oh and a, yeah. And right. um, then the last thing he did was the next three days, which I remember. I remember fairly well with Liam with Russell Crowe, but you know,
1: not very relevant films. Oh, is that the one with? Um, no, wait. That's I'm thinking of something else. I just thought it was the one with Selena Gomez. No, that'd be really <laughs> funny if he did that one though. <laughs> the Ethan Hawke like. Car yeah. Movie. That's <laughs> <a weird thing. laughs>
0: god i mean he might as well laugh like
1: yeah same thing
0: um but crash
1: marissa what's your experience with crash well um i literally just stopped watching it for the for this podcast 20 30 minutes ago um (laughs) because someone forgot to watch that it was coming up um and it is, I remember seeing it in the theater. Um, I can't remember if I saw it with my parents or because I was in high school and I'm pretty sure I had a car at this point, I would have just seen it by myself one night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I very distinctly remember the theater I went to and um, seeing it because, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler or whatever, the scene with the gunshot and the little girl uh, is one of the like most memorable theater experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, because when that happened, I could hear the audience start to, um, start to get restless. And then as the gunshot, the gunshot happens and the girl jumps, a woman screamed in the theater, <laughs> literally out loud, just was like full on screamed. It was like wild. I've never, I think about it all the time because it was the most like intense emotional moment I'd ever seen. And I think even to this day have ever seen in a theater, um, because she just, whoever that lady was, could not control it. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking at the time that it was, like, really sharp. And, you know, I lived in L.A., and I fully admit that once I left L.A., I didn't realize that there was a pretty pretty prevalent simmering racism under a lot of it. Like, just in general. Um, that I That when I went to a new city that was even more diverse and a little more conscious of it, Seemed like made it stand out in a sharper relief, let's say. Um, but yeah, it felt really like you know, I was living in LA at the time and driving, and like it felt really um poignant then. But uh, now it, um, I, d- I don't think I've ever seen a film so hateful in all my life. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I felt like the whole time my body was like rejecting it. Like, I just it was so hate, it's so hateful. I don't, I never don't, I certainly don't ever want to watch it again, you know. Yeah, no. Um, and I remember at the time, I don't know, I just, I didn't think it would win, and then it won, and I was okay with it then, but I, you know, I've, got, I've grown less okay with it as time went on.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, actually, I don't I, I was gonna say, it's like quaint now in the wake of Green Book, but I still think it's probably a worse win than than Green Book. I don't know. It's a, they're, they're both very <sighs> yeah. problematic for very different reasons, um, weirdly enough, because they're always compared,
1: but I don't think... They're quite doing the same thing wrong. Um, I think one is more dangerous, but I actually am not sure which one at this point mm-hmm. because I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about how do you feel about it? Because I I just feel like one is comforting and one is like seems um, seems edgy and like is calling shit out, but is actually probably like naive in a way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, while the other one is insipid and it's like. Um, casual way of dismissing racism. Like it never existed. Um, and I, I don't know. I've just been thinking about a lot about that a lot lately in context, context of like film criticism of like, what's what's worse the, the criticism that's like outright racist or the one that's like outright or, or not, or like more insidious. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, it, completely.
0: I was thinking about this this morning um, because I was watching clips of crash to get more in the mindset. And, um, And Green Book, to me, is a film that um, acts like racism ended after, like, the film took place in the 60s or 70s. It's been a few months, but I already forgot, like, so many details about that movie. But um, it acts like the racism ended, and it was like, oh, like, isn't this a quaint photo of what racism used to be like? But then um, Crash is a movie, to me, that doesn't understand racism, and it's like... Yeah. C- completely unwilling to explore systematic racism or, like, um, institutionalized racism, the different levels, and instead it's just, like, it, like, makes racism synonymous with just being mean to each other, and that is n- just not accurate <laughs> in my mind, and mm-hmm. then on top of that, it just sets itself in a script that, like, relies on so many coincidences and weird plot developments that it's just it feels so sloppy. But, Getting ahead of myself, um, my experience with Crash, which is a movie that you'll remember I was not allowed to see in 2005, <laughs> but my parents did see it, and I was laughing hearing your story because my parents came home from the movie, my dad was kind of like, eh, whatever, like, he, was, he didn't really care, but my mm-hmm. mom was, like, really into it, and my mom yeah. still has this habit of when she comes home from movies that she likes even if I've already seen it, will describe parts of the movie in intense detail. Yep. And I have this vivid memory of her telling me about the Michael Pena storyline with his daughter almost going shot in tears, like fully in tears recounting that plot shot by shot.
1: <laughs> I bet you, she, you know, I, I'm sure she wasn't, she didn't watch it in Southern California, but I feel like it was her.
0: <laughs> it really was. It really could have been. Who knows? It's just like, she was so moved by it. And- growing up that was my memory of the movie i was vaguely aware of the controversy about it winning and i like we'll get to Brooklyn Mountain in a little bit but i knew very much about that film and how many people thought that would win but um you know growing up i was like oh crash is this really really good movie and then eventually as i got older i kind of learned like okay it might not be but i watched it for the first time in college one weekend when basically everyone I knew went home and I had nothing to do and I was extremely bored and it was streaming on watch instantly and I was like let me (laughs) let me try this and I remember being so angry and like the entire movie like just being in like a state of discomfort and anger Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: if it had not won best picture I think I would have turned it off like it is the sort of movie that I just cannot imagine myself watching under any of the circumstances um, we'll do, talk... do you know what year you watched it, by the way? Like, was it pre-2008 or post? Post-2008. It oh, was was. Wow. Um, yeah, it it was in... Co- like, I have a review on Letterboxd, which means it had oh. to at least have been 20, 2014, I think, is when I got on Letterboxd. So, like, rel- not relatively recently. I. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just remember being really angered by it. I thought it was just a very sloppy film, but also a very compellingly made movie like for all of its flaws and i gave it a one and a half i think on letterboxd but like star ratings are stupid but i will concede like it is a well-made film that is just so sloppily written but so compellingly made that like it remains weirdly watchable, despite as much, like, how much I hated it. I definitely could not turn away.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I agree. It's it's really compelling. Like the filmmaking is really good, and the, a lot of those performances are fucking stellar. Mm-hmm. No,
0: everyone's actually really good in it. Like they're given yeah. horrible characters to play, but they all do a pretty good job with it. Like there's a lot of memorable performances. I remember Sandra Bullock really well in yeah. that movie, mainly because it feels so against type for her even today. Like she's become a yeah. bit more of um a respected actress since then. Like she was more of like a rom-com person mm-hmm. back before Crash, but like and now she's like known for Oscar roles. Like I think she has two two nominations at least now. And um I just remember being very impressed by her in the film even though she's playing this really like weird character It but i think probably my first exposure to tandy newton who i think
1: is um, oh it's
0: phenomenal she's really good again playing a very like bad
1: subplot but yeah and this was i mean this was a deliberate move by sandra bullock too to like change her this is the film that basically opens up her career to other things so like it's important for that alone you know like changing what we thought sandra bullock was capable of because she is god she's hateful in this and like Honestly, very recognizable to me of like the because the I should <laughs> like the theater I saw this at is in Palos Verdes, which is the like the richest neighborhood in the country. Um, So those women were pro- the woman who screamed was probably probably a Sandra Bullock type. Mm-hmm. That's
0: similar to Green Book, I think. I think a lot of the audience of Green Book are people who are probably incredibly racist, but for whatever reason... Because the film is not, like, but not, these films are not really, like, convicting anybody. Um, it goes completely over their head. Yeah. It just, it's a movie that, to me, has so many poorly written subplots and so many really toxic messages that I'm almost more frustrated that it's so compellingly made because I'm, like, shit, like... This movie is sending the wrong messages.
1: <laughs> which which subplots do you like? Think are the worst, or like, do you, which one do you think bet work best, and which ones do you not think work? The be- one that works best to me, I
0: think, is the Michael Pena. Um, oh. as much as that, I mean, like, as silly as that scene is in 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 and out of context, I guess. Like we were we were just laughing it about-
1: up. Oh, I fucking cried like half yeah. an hour ago. I was like, why am I having this emotion to this dumb scene that where I know what happens?
0: I fully think. It's because Michael Pena is a
1: really good actor. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the girl, the little girl, is really good. I mean, like, really good. Everyone, it's pretty good, which is frustrating. Um, and
0: weirdly, I do like everything that Sandra Book's character is doing. It's a really, again, like an un, not unrealistic, but like, um, it fails to ever really explore her character that well. But she's really good and there's a world where that subplot could have been handled better and have yeah. been an interesting film about a racist white woman.
1: But, um... Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, That's it's interesting that, like, do you think any of these characters have any internality, though? I'm sorry, I feel like I'm... Sorry I'm taking over. No, please, please. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, which do you... Who do you think... I mean, I think, like, Dylan is the closest one to have any, like, a full character arc or whatever. Everybody else feels, to me, a little, like you know oh actually Ryan Philippi's character goes on quite an arc as well i suppose
0: Philippi's arc is okay in the film mm-hmm. um the Dylan arc i will say he's good in it and mm-hmm. it's definitely the part that like was m- like most well written the yeah. other characters i think a lot of the work that's done with him is done by the actors but mm-hmm. um Dylan definitely has the most on the page to work with but i just think that subplot is so hateful and so yeah. like, i'm just so uninterested in seeing that character redeemed yeah. and that i'm just like like that's probably my least hair Just it leaves me feeling
1: so like f- like from beginning to end fully grossed out yeah it's the one that definitely makes me want to shower because like i don't know if i would have i think i would have thought then that it was like really meaningful that like oh this like even like you can be shocked out of your hatefulness but like the idea that like this poor woman has to like basically, I don't know, forgive her sexual assaulter is who is also white and she's black It's, like so awful in, in today's context after mm-hmm. everything that's happened like purely from a of from a Me Too and like Black Lives Matter context it is so hateful I like ooh it just. It's chilling, you know? It's really chilling,
0: and it's so funny to me. We'll get to the acting categories in a little bit, but, like, Matt Dillon is the only actor nominated from this movie, and that is just so telling to me of how voters at the time saw that character and how they they loved that arc so much. And I was like, this movie's not even remotely interested in convicting him for what he did. Like, it doesn't view his crimes as being that bad, and that's very frustrating.
1: And I don't know. You know, I, I realized, by the way, not to make it real surfacy after all that, but the other thing I remember most about this movie, um, and I, the reason I think about it a lot, is because the street where the the car crash happens on, where that where he saves her, I used to drive on that street every day. Really? My, yeah, well, my best friend lived down that street. And it's a pretty famous overlook um, in San Pedro because it looks out on the harbor, basically, and you could see... All the way to Long Beach, um, even farther down, I would say, like almost Orange County from that overlook. And it's really beautiful. And it's this really twisty, windy road. And it's like, it's just gorgeous over there. People film there all the time. But I remember when that scene happened, or like even in the commercials, I was like, oh shit, like I know exactly where that was. Like, And it was like, I probably ran into a school, like a street closure that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. It was like, I don't know. That, that always. It's surreal. You know, like, to see stuff filmed um, in a place that you see every day is, is is pretty surreal. But, like, that one especially is really surreal to me.
0: Oh, yeah, no. There's been numerous films that I'm just, like... That that stupid Sally Field movie. It's a good movie. I don't know why I said stupid. The Sally Field movie. Hello, my name is Doris. Like <laughs> they filmed like a hundred scenes outside where my old office used to be, and like in mm-hmm. me- scenes meant to be on numerous streets, but I ignored that. Where yeah. and it was just like I'm like this is fun. I like this movie so much more because I can recognize the street it's on. But yeah, no crash. Crash is a it's a weird movie. My other bullet point that I had here to discuss is that you know. This year with Green Book, everybody kept saying, including I tweeted this, that it was like the this decade's Crash, like it was yeah. the. But in a way, I I wonder, could Crash have won today, like in a social media age with Twitter, where people are definitely not perfect, but there's more room in the press to like, d- like break the film down like this, let alone a movie that came out in May, so, like, so far removed from the Oscar season. Oh, yeah,
1: wow. Um, I, I, you know, a couple points on this. I think, I actually think Crash is probably a better film than Green Book, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's just more going on. And there's, like, one good performance in that, maybe two. Um, but this has, like, a bunch of good performances, even if the story is very, the, story, the overall plot and all that structure shit is bad. Um, but... I I don't think so, because I think if you look at something like um three billboards, which admittedly didn't have as diverse a cast mm-hmm. as this does, um, that that got red to filth and it that essentially destroyed whatever momentum it had. And if you look at it in 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 contrast to like Brokeback Mountain at the time people didn't thought didn't win because of the of the homosexuality. Like mm-hmm. That was everybody said it. Everybody was pretty open about that, Um, but Moonlight won a couple years ago. So I don't. I think I think if you did this exact race now, I think it would end up differently.
0: I agree. Uh, I think Three Billboards is a really good comparison of a movie that's actually that's actually very similar to Crash um, in tonally as well. Like Three Billboards is a little more comedic, I guess if I Uh remember it correctly. But um, it's less.
1: It's less hateful, I would
0: say. Yeah, I feel that movie came out ten years ago. But, <laughs> my God, time! But um, like, that's a really good comparison. I never thought of that. that like, um, <laughs> it's. I think that's true. No, I do think if this race was to play out today, Broken Mountain, Brooker Mountain would definitely win. I mean, it was so so openly t- well talked about. It. We'll get to Broken Mountain in a little bit, but like the way that movie, there was like op- people were openly campaigning against mm-hmm. it for it being. A queer film there yeah. was that whole stupid like john wayne is rolling over in his grave quote that went around which doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> but but um god 2005 what a different different world that's still kind of the same
1: <laughs> yeah i really wish i really would have loved to because it I, I did i will say i i i, I hope you don't want to wrap i'd like i'm sure you want to wrap up on the crash thing but just really quick like no. i think watching crash in 2005 when everybody felt so like we were still in a post 9 11 depression you know like Mm -hmm. and and the rest of the films in this list certainly bear that out um but it it spoke to something then that i think by by 2008 was gone like we it feels like a trajectory of like the way we thought we changed or the way we worked to change to elect the first black president in, in 2008. Do you not, like, I don't wanna draw a line between the two, but like, it just, it was part of that evolution. And it, at the time, it probably seemed like we were fixing a lot of things to vote for this movie, but it, it obviously with retrospect, like hind, hindsight, that's not true. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, these five movies, I think, are such a good reflection of what mm-hmm. that this time period was like. Yeah. Um, even, like, many of the acting nominees and winners, too. Like yeah. it, it is, this was, in a way, the most symbolic Best Picture lineup of what post-911 America was like. I mean, again, I was in middle school, but I remember that time period very well. Mm-hmm. Like, just the overall mood. I the, agree with you. I think you're totally right. It's... Oh my God! What a what a time capsule into the past. Um yeah. My one other thing about Crash Really Fast is this is so much less um, thought provoking than the race conversation. <laughs> but it's one of the many films from the two thousands, and we'll definitely talk about at least one more. But there's probably a handful of others that were best picture nominees of films from the 2000s where it takes a social a social justice issue and then explores it with like 10 different subplots that crash together no pun intended over time and I hate that I hate that subgenre of drama what's the other one Babel yes Babel and there's got to be yeah. at least one more that I'm forgetting um and love actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the the saddest um, <laughs> God, I wish we could talk about love actually, but um, sure we will eventually. Yeah, yeah, but and spoiler alert for people putting it for two thousand seven. I like Babel, which I know is terrible, but yeah, I kind of
1: did too. I mean, I we'll see what happens. We'll see
0: how I feel when I rewatch it, but um, yeah, what I mean, Syriana, which we won't talk too much about, but like we'll get to eventually, the acting categories, is another one where I was like, God, what was with people in this decade and just deciding to write dramas this way? But we were
1: really in an emo phase as, as Americans.
0: We were. On to that note, let's go to another emo <laughs> phase from America. Um, actually, that could really be used to sum up any of these four other movies. But <laughs> they
1: really could.
0: <laughs> we're going to talk about Good Night and Good Luck. Um, George Clooney's Di- no, not directorial debut. Never mind. But um, one of his directorial efforts, the only one, unless I'm blanking out, that remotely approached like a critical, res- like mass critical respect. But um, yeah, no, d- totally. This is his period piece about the um, M- McCarthy era and Edward R. Murrow's fight with McCarthy over the newscasts, and it is an interesting movie. Marissa, what are your thoughts on Good Night and Good Luck?
1: I saw it years ago, and then I rewatched it for this and um, cinematography is beautiful. I always thought so. um, I think Strathairn is really, really good um and I don't think it works anymore though Ooh, like interesting, yeah, its point is um labored, let's say, like the framing device about like entertainment is is not news is like network does it better um and this it feels arrogant to say to make that point in a film that is technically for entertainment good point <laughs> oh. sorry Damn. george call me up though
0: <laughs> i mean honestly george like please call please either call of myself. us <laughs> bring your wife to like i want to just talk about her we work. love them all yeah honestly i want to talk about her more but <laughs> um no, I agree. I um first saw this film in college, um, and like I mentioned, I was just so uninterested that like my parents were like, you love the Oscars. You can watch Glenn and Good Luck, and I was like, eh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I watched it in college, and I, I remember really liking it, but also being kind of like, this is, I mean, I hate to say, this is a little boring, <laughs> and I watched it again last night, and I still kind of was like, you know really well directed he's a good director in this yeah. case i've never seen his other films actually i've heard bad things but um like this in this case i was like oh this is pretty good and a lot of i liked a lot of the performances um <laughs> you mentioned St- shitharen who is really good but also patricia clarkson and robert jenny jr are great those and, are my
1: other two i love it
0: yeah and i just kept thinking the whole time it's like remember when robert jenny jr made like movies and not a very <laughs> expensive tv show um Woo! Sorry, I'm I'm dropping hot takes. I was
1: ready for it. I screamed into the mic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that woman in the
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy I can provide the same level of dramatic intensity as Paul Haggis. Um, But yeah, they're both really good in it. But I. As technically interesting as it is, it is just. There's no life to it. And it's so. Like obsessed with being technically good that i just feel like there's zero passion behind any of it and maybe that's his point maybe that's a broader like thing about the news that he's trying to make a comment on but it's still like this is a movie like you said it's meant to be entertainment like i wish it was a little more entertaining but you know it's a really good movie and the cinematography is wonderful
1: do you think it meant like because i feel like it meant it meant it felt more meaningful than because of the way people were already starting to re examine Iraq and Afghanistan.
0: I think so. I think another film, which we'll transition to after this, explores that conversation much better. Agreed. Um, but I do think that played a part in it. I also truly think, like, we can use my, my dad as an example. My dad loves this movie. Mm-hmm. Um It is a dad movie. (laughs) It is a movie where my dad is like, This is a thing from history. And like, enjoys watching the film and being like, That was a thing from history by the end of it. And like, it's just, it's something that I can't connect with. Or I'm like, Yes, I know this is a thing from history, but I can also read a book about it. (laughs) And I don't know. I wish I liked it more because it's so technically well done. But I just don't feel it.
1: No, it doesn't inspire passion in me in the way I think it... it even did when I first saw it. I, I will say... Like, the thing I most sort of obsessed over in this, what, this watch was, like, my God, the men are wearing such beautiful suits.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking about how much I wanted a Patricia Clarkson, Robert Downey Jr., like, rom-com.
1: Oh, my God, yes.
0: And I was like, they have great sexual chemistry. And I was like... Someone just do this. Like, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. cost like what, like fifty million now for a movie. But like, just do it, please. Some some studio, Netflix. Come on.
1: Him um, doing that with Marissa Tomei in um this in Spider Man Homecoming was like the height of Homecoming to me. Like, I except for Zendaya, who I worship.
0: Of course, but God, just put Zendaya in this movie. <laughs> like, <it's>, like, <laughs> let's do anything to make it more exciting. <laughs> but no, that's enough of it. Good luck. A movie that I wish I liked more yeah or one more thing do you think George Clooney will ever get this close to a directorial Oscar again
1: oh no Uh, no he look what he's made since I mean you know the last one was Suburbicon which uh, had some problematic racial shit going on apparently I didn't see it for that reason but apparently it was like problematically racist and also he didn't get what was the problem which is like not not great George Um, but I You know, I think he's mostly fine with that. He seems to be perfectly happy to be Amal Clooney's um, arm candy, which, like, God bless.
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing how he's sort of disappeared. Like, like he's always present. He's in those coffee commercials. But, like, I can't remember the last movie I saw him in. Um, And it just, like, I do sort of miss his screen presence. I was never a huge fan, but I think he was an interesting actor. Yeah. But I kind of think he just wants to be more of a celebrity now. Who knows? Maybe he'll come out with some st- stunning Oscar movie. But I don't think he'll
1: direct it. <laughs> I think
0: he will act in it. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, he's. He, I will say, like, him being gone more makes him really make an impact and stuff. Like, you know, him in Gravity, is, he's great in that.
0: I always think about, and we'll talk about it eventually, um, Up in the Air, which is a movie that oh, wow. I think, did not get it to do for, like, summing up that time period. But um, we'll talk about that when we get to 2010 or 2009. I forgot when the movie was. But whatever. Let's move on to Munich, Steven Spielberg's very dark um, film about the um, 1972 Summer Olympics, when the Munich Massacre, the 1972 Summer Olympics, where and the um, covert operation... <laughs> led by I'm trying to find the name just so I don't screw it up. The um I, like an account it's an account of Operation Wrath of God, the Israeli government's secret retaliation against the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um because I am not a history major in case anyone knew. But um this is a this is my first time watching this film for this podcast. And to be honest, I never really knew anything about it before this. Like, I like no one that I knew really talked about it. No one, like, um, I think my parents both saw it when it came out, but, like, were not moved enough to talk about it very much. And um, I didn't know what to expect. My own only real exposure to it within the past five years is um, on the Blank Check podcast, actually, where they talked about it while doing their Steven Spielberg miniseries. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of blown away by it. Um, oh. It's the sort of film... It's too long, and oh! yeah, yeah, it's two hours forty four for, for people who don't know, which is like a big ask. I'm just that's all I'm gonna say, but um, it's very powerful when it like when it's like at its peak, and um, just like despite some really weird choices of like that, that Spielberg makes near the ending, I remain like really interested in it the whole time, and there are some moments that will just fully stick with me for a while, I think. It is, I I always, I've said this on many times while talking about Steven Spielberg movies, especially Steven Spielberg movies from the past 10 years or so. I always seem to take him for granted, and I'm like, oh, like, as I go to watch a Spielberg movie, I'm like, this will be fine, and then I'm always like, oh yeah, I forget, he's a really good director. And um, this is definitely one of those cases. I don't think it ranks as, like, one of my favorites of his, anywhere close really I don't think I'll ever watch it again partially because of the length and partially because it's just very dark Mm -hmm. um but I was really surprised by how much I liked it and how much I loved Eric Banda's performance in it and um this is a name I will definitely fuck up Siren Hines um
1: it's Kieran Hines actually Kieran Hines
0: I was I tried people (laughs) he was great though and we'll get to the best supporting actor lineup but like him not being nominated this year is kind of fucking nuts um yeah. Marissa,
1: what is what are your thoughts on Munich? I also watched it for the pod. Um I, I also found it very engrossing, but I think it goes on an hour too long and, and it hits its peak before that last hour. And part of that is by design, because like he is very obviously making a point about the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. One hundred percent. Um that last shot where they're like, you can see downtown New York in the background with you know, everything it, it like, I was like, okay, Steven, we get it. Thank you. Um, But I think it, like, it goes on so long that it harms its own effectiveness, which is unfortunate because up until um, the scene that I'm sure you're talking about that sex scene, like Mm -hmm. the whole thing is pretty, works pretty well, but that is so heavy handed and embarrassing. And I know it's supposed to contrast the one at the beginning, but like, it's a lot you know,
0: no, yeah. This let's just talk about the sex scene. Because, yeah, we have it ruins yeah.
1: the whole movie.
0: It is such a bad sex scene. It makes me wonder if Steven Spielberg knows what sex is actually like. Like it's
1: no wonder Amy Irving left him. My God,
0: it is such a bad scene, and. It, it is also one of the two films 2005, at least two films, that uses two sex scenes at the beginning and end of the film to show how a character has changed. But um the other being a history of violence. But Oh um,
1: yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> but um no, it's so bad. It like I mean, like you said, it's so not subtle. And just like I don't understand how anybody could direct that scene and then edit it and decide to put it in a film without thinking like this is very unintentionally humorous like him lifting his head and like sweat is flying but oh, it looks like God. he was the hosed face, down the face like rictus is, is so bad it's so bad it was it's just terrible and it's so funny because not, not that the movie is subtle necessarily in the first two hours no. and 30 minutes but like it manages to make the themes it's exploring about American Invading the Middle East really tie in with the story it's telling and without making it like totally hammered home and then he was just like in case anybody missed it i'm going to really spell it out in yeah. these last scenes and i don't it even almost becomes it. camp yeah honestly and i don't even think he does a good job of like making it a point of comparing two sex scenes because the first sex scene too is like a it's more well directed it feels a little more real but it also feels like kind of silly in its own way and yeah. i don't think he, the point is made ah. Poor Stephen. I don't know. I want to root for him with this, but that that last ten minutes is a Disastrous. problem. Yeah, but no, I do think it's fascinating. Um, it is such a snapshot of how America, what America's mood is like mm-hmm. in two thousand five, to a point where I almost like like went down a rabbit hole of reading different reviews from the time, reading what the controversy with the film at the time of a lot of people um, right. on both sides of the aisle, just thinking like he was making a bad political statement, or going too far.
1: Um, yeah, I wonder, I think all of that may have, a, a lot of that may have missed the point of, like, he is kind of making the point of, like, there are literally no heroes here, we should examine ourselves, but, like, again, I, I, it's just too heavy-handed.
0: It's also just interesting, unless I'm blanking out, um, it's one of his most, I would say the most explicitly, explicitly political film he's made, like, I mean, More like, than Schindler I I haven't seen Schindler in quite a few years. Um that might that's probably his most political, I guess. And I guess in a weird way the post is very political. But um this just to me it was I feel that there are so few major major directors from this time who explored the mood in America like between 2003 and two, 2001 and 2007. Um as explicitly as this, like mm-hmm. like ma- major directors, like if you look at the films like syriana or mm-hmm. um Babel in a way mm-hmm. um they were they're not like household name directors, so it's so surprising to me to just see him tactless and he's never really gone back to it again because the post is so um it's political, but it's so light and meant to like
1: be well his closest
0: is bridges of spies yeah i got he see this is the thing with him he makes so many movies that i'm like oh yeah shit that was him yeah (laughs) god and that's a good movie too but um god what a career it's like i i feel like i want to talk about it more just because like we don't
1: i mean we we don't don't, know really no need to do it now
0: (laughs) there are so many movies we'll talk about with him but you know i'm happy i finally saw this one because i don't think i would have watched it otherwise and i um 'Cause I don't feel like I a particular completist with him. Like I don't think I'll ever watch Always. But um like it's interesting. I don't know. Interesting film. What do you think of, what's your thoughts on Eric Bana?
1: Oh, he's great. I mean I think the sex scene might have ruined his career, but other I mean, I'm more than the Hulk, but you know <laughs> He has a nice butt in the sexy at the very least. I was like thinking the whole time, like, damn, you could have been famous. Like, yeah, Eric Bannon is a full-on daddy. And I, my teenage self and, and my friends definitely thought so.
0: I have been meaning to watch Troy. Not, yeah, Troy. That's the one he was. Oh, in.
1: Troy. Listen, many sexual awakenings. I'm ready to be
0: reawoken. <laughs> but um, all right, let's move on to the films that I think we both have much more to talk about. <laughs> um, let's start with Capote. Uh, this is the story, Bennett Miller, um, Bennett Miller's film about Truman Capote and the writing process um, behind In Cold Blood, his,
1: like, I would say most famous novel. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's tied with Breakfast at Tiffany's, probably, although more people have actually probably read this one.
0: Yeah. And um, it details his relationship with the prisoners the who have uh, perpetrated the crime that In Cold Blood is inspired by and... Um, yeah, this is a really fascinating movie, Marissa. What, what's your relationship with Capote?
1: Um, I rewatched it again last night, um, and uh, I think I read I read In Cold Blood right around the time it was coming out. Either because I knew it was for school, but maybe I can't remember if I read it because of this or, or whatever happened. Um, and it's that book is very good, and and. Creates the true crime genre, essentially. So, which makes this film even more resonant now than it was. Because it was just like, wow, this is the beginning of it all. Um, But, yeah, this is one of the most depressed movies I've ever seen. And I've always thought so. I like, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, like, uh, an actor I I, I like sometimes. And then sometimes I, I, I don't quite connect. But, like, I think this is his best role. It's so it's such a good impression, but also you can constantly see him doing more than an impression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that scene where he's like being a bitch to Harper Lee at the end, um, is like, I think about that scene all the time. That thing where he basically says, like uh, talking about the, you know, the process of writing the book, like I don't think I'll ever recover basically. Um, like I, I think about that line all the time. And that's just the, like the fact that like, he didn't, you
0: know, he's so good in that scene. Um, yeah. so good at playing drunk. Like it's, yeah. it's really incredible. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, this is the first, this is the only film I saw in 2005, actually. And, um, or 2006, probably more. Um, and I remember liking it a lot of the time. I remember feeling like, even though it was in no way, like an, an inappropriate movie I was watching, I know it's rated R, but like nothing scandalized me, um, from it. Like, I remember just feeling, feeling like it was like the most adult movie I had ever seen, and I was really excited to return to it. And it's really good, but in a way that I definitely do not, I, I couldn't have appreciated at the time mm-hmm. of just like the way it explores his character, the way it explores life on the fringes of society, um, yeah. with Capote being gay, Harper Lee being a woman, um, the two prisoners. Being in mean, prisoners. Um, like, and the what it's like to. Um,
1: well, there's even a, an implication that maybe Perry Smith, the, the prisoner that he talks to most, is maybe may like suppressing homosexuality or something, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And um, it's just so fascinating in the way it explores very, very subtly how Capote turned his queerness into. This sort of way of in like New York culture in like New York coastal cultures, um, his queerness was like something to put in a spotlight so that he could mm-hmm. like as his defense mechanism. And the way he code switches when he goes to the South as like a confirmed bachelor type to be very entertaining to the people, like um, right. And
1: he brings Harper Lee along as his like you know lady friend.
0: Yeah, it's it's so beautifully done. Um, I do think, and this is a conversation I definitely want to get to when we get to Perk Mountain um Bennett Miller being straight I don't think he's he expose, explores that quite as much as I like a queer director might have but it's really well done it mm-hmm. reminds me in a way of can you ever forgive me even though it's much darker <laughs> than that one and um
1: mm, yeah it's a good comparison though because yeah. it is deeply about like otherization and like the alienation of being queer and also like on some level like closetedness even though Technically, the character is not. But like, I don't know. There's something there. Do you know the sadness of it?
0: Yeah, he's sad. He's not really being like he's not a person to anybody. Really, yeah. he's like this figure. He like does not even value intersectionality whatsoever because he like will immediately throw Harper Lee down in order to like remain in the spotlight. It's yeah. it's he's fascinating. such a sociopath. It's incredible. It's a wonderful movie. I have not seen. Foxcatcher, which I've heard also explores queer themes, or at least it has a queer following. It's but, not as good as this. Yeah, I I am not a huge Moneyball fan, so I never really felt like this passion for Bennett Miller. But this movie made me want to go rewatch all of his movies because I was just so impressed by it. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like it'll be closely related to our conversation under Brokeback Mountain. So mm. let's move into Brokeback Mountain. The this movie needs no, introdu- no introduction, but in case you don't know what it is, it is the gay romance film starring Heath Ledger and Jake Lindenhall as two ranch handlers who spend the summers together on the titular Brooklyn Mountain and um, fall in love. And it charts their relationship through at least 20 years. Um, Marissa, what is your thoughts on Brookback Mountain?
1: Oh, man. Um, I remember at the time, because I was like really into watching E! News at the time, and it was like, the this the movie had such a reputation before it came out as like the gay cowboy movie and like the the un the unspoken homophobia of that and then when it came out and everybody realized how good it was they were like holy shit this is the greatest movie of all time <laughs> um, I remember seeing it I don't probably at that same theater I saw Crash uh, I don't I th- I think. I don't remember my I remember the time one of my most distinct memories of it. And one of the reasons I love it so much, honestly, is because remember that show, The Soup?
0: How could I forget? Of
1: course <laughs> they had this. This was the height of the soup. And this was the best the best bit they ever did. Well, one of the best bits they've ever done was this same year that Brokeback Mountain comes out. Um, the King Kong Peter Jackson did came out. Um and they combined the two of them to make a skit called Brokeback Kong. So it was two guys in monkey suits, just <laughs> saying the lines from Brokeback Mountain, and they would use that um, that intro clip of of the train going by all the time to start to start it from the trailer. So like. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew it was coming it was so exciting and then I saw the movie after it all of those clips and when that that clip happened I was like I just cro- I was like cracking up but despite all of that like despite the like what, the the images of two men in monkey suits and cowboy hats swiping at tiny planes on the soup like I this movie I remember like being blown away by to the point that I read um the woman who wrote the short story, like Annie Pro, I think it is, um, or someone like that. Um, it is Annie pr- pro. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's how you pronounce it. I really don't know. But I read the short stories it was like based on, um, and I watched it probably dozens of times on television, and then I sort of left it for a couple of years, and then now every couple years I come back to it, and it's just like the saddest movie of all time, is what I call it all the time. Although in this group, it's almost light. It's it's a light romp this one. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's some nice shit in it.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's so tragic. Oh my gosh. Like, I watched it last night again, and I was just like, "God, this movie." And I, I watched it with my dad actually, who had never seen it, and because um, it, it was Easter, people to put a timeline on this, and I was like, "Family, let's watch Brooke Ransom because I have Gather to watch it." the
1: television and let's watch.
0: <laughs> and we watched it, which is a, a, a lot, yeah. but um, like like I mean, we paused it at one point and they were like this is the saddest movie and i'm like
1: oh it gets sadder and they were like what oh. <laughs> but um no it's so A friend good. of mine years ago who was watching it for the first time with me and another friend was like that was like getting shot <laughs> i mean honestly it just
0: it's so punishing
1: but mm-hmm. so
0: worth it mm-hmm. um it's so it's so like I actually didn't think of this, but I was talking to my brother and he reminded me, in many ways Broken Mountain was the first time I remember as a kid like LGBT content being discussed on like a really wide level for me. Mm. Um it was always like kind of discussed in my house. Like I've I don't think I ever mentioned this on mic, but like my parents are really big Rent fans and I like have seen Rent on Broadway many, many times. And so, like, you know, growing up with rent literally onto my house constantly, I always, like, had a vague awareness of queerness even as a kid. Um, but, like, it was always, like, a thing in my house. Like, I never went out of the house and, like, heard people openly talking about LGBT stuff. And then Broken Mountain came out, and for me, that was, like, this giant, like, moment where I was like, oh, my God, everyone was talking about it. And it's a very big reminder of how homophobic people can be, especially... Um, when you're a baby gay in middle school at the time um my biggest memory is i don't remember which one it is i think scary movie four there is like an extended brooklyn mountain joke that like was is very homophobic but like um was like i remember that yeah it was like a very big joke around the same time and i remember just kind of being like not having the words for it yet, but being like, "Oh, like I don't like this joke that that like this joke is a thing," mm-hmm. um, but it's a really just a movie that I I hadn't seen for I didn't watch until like late high school when oh. I was like starting to question my sexuality and I had but I hadn't come out yet and um, I was like completely blown away by it and it is still I I think one of like my favorite movies of all time, I would guess, like in my top 50 at the very least. I think it's really wonderful. It's a masterpiece to me. Like I watched it last night for the first time in maybe two years. And to me, I'm just like, this is undeniable. And it's the sort of thing, even remove Crash from the equation in my mind, like this film not being a Best Picture winner period is so upsetting because it is like an essential american movie i think like it yeah is just, i agree it's so Sorry, important there's
1: a truck going by um but yeah no i think i i agree like it's definitely one of the best movies i've ever seen and I, like every time i watch it i'm like god damn how is this so good it's it's
0: amazing every performance is
1: good uh, like
0: every little touch that ang lee adds to it he's a fantastic director mm-hmm. um and i mean it's just so interesting. Like. You watch this. No two of his movies are even remotely similar. <laughs> like it is. No,
1: what a what a versatile queen. Honestly,
0: honestly, <laughs> it, he's amazing. Which leads you to the main thing I really wanted to, to discuss. Which I thought I love having these this conversation with people that actually bring interesting POVs to the table. Um, this was two thousand five. Obviously, um, the film was really really well respected and well liked. But um, today, there's a lot of dialogue about straight people telling queer stories which i think is an important conversation but angli is straight um and i i'm very curious i've seen some of the worst takes i've oh, ever seen yeah, on letterbox sure. i still think this is not about Ang Lee being straight but the the worst thing i've ever seen on letterbox and i cannot remember who said it Um, are no one that is remotely related to this podcast so it wouldn't even matter. But um, like someone said, if this movie was about a straight couple, no one would even think twice about it. And I'm like, but you couldn't make it about a straight
1: couple. (laughs) No one is that, like no one is institutionalized not letting people who are straight get married, you fucking asshole. It was one of the worst (sighs) takes. I was like, I was not even like mad. I was just like, what? (laughs)
0: Like it's like, I just
1: (laughs) gently set my forehead on the microphone from the exhaustion of that idea.
0: But like, I, I still see a lot of bad takes with this movie of just people fully not getting it. Um, How do you, it's one of the
1: most beautiful movies I've ever seen. I like, I don't, I don't, even if you aren't connecting it with it on an emotional, like level about this, these, these people who are deeply closeted and deeply unhappy because of it. Like, I don't know how you don't look at the filmmaking and, like, mm-hmm. see the, the craft going on. Like, yeah. it's all very based on, you know, dialogue and stuff. But it's also about, like, silence and, like, people reacting to things and, like, the the setting. He understands America in a way that, like, American directors don't. Like, rural America. You know what I'm
0: saying? Oh, completely. It is – it feels like he, – he must have um, drawn inspiration from – 1970s cinema is all I kept thinking like oh
1: um, 100%
0: of just like it is so fully invested in the time period and it, it's it's incredible he's an incredible filmmaker I think this is probably my favorite no it's definitely my favorite of his but like mm-hmm. by a good mile I also really love sense of sense- sensibility sense- and life of High a lot but I this movie he- he's an incredible filmmaker and it just leads me to like I think this is the movie I use as an example of, like, why, in some cases, it is okay for a straight person to tell a queer story, they just have to handle it with sensitivity, and he really does, and it's like, I don't know if he, well, he didn't write the script, I don't know if the screenwriter, Larry McMurdy, and Diana Osana, um, consulted queer people while, um... I love writing, because neither of them are LGBT, according to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, it is so in, like, in tune to, like, what queer relationships are like, what being in the closet is like, that sort of self-hate. Literally, yeah. and I talked to you about this off mic, like, the only thing that is off-base with this movie is the sex scene. Where, you like, you fully want me to believe that two men who are deeply in the closet who never even had like, set, like Heath Ledger mentions he's a virgin, at, um, or, or imp- implies he's a virgin when he first is talking to Jake Gyllenhaal's character, um, that like they're gonna go right from being deeply in the closet to having full-on anal sex <laughs> yeah. without any lube yeah, in I, the I mountains. Remember.
1: That's in the that's in the in the short story too. It's just the sort
0: of thing. Um, no one that's straight, no straight men especially, seem to understand how gay sex works. Um, <laughs> I have heard numerous people in my life, including some people from the site, who I won't name, what? but um, who did not know that men can face each other while having sex. Uh-oh. And that is just an anatomy lesson, people. Like, <laughs> oh, that's something, know how your body works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, <they're>, oh. <laughs> Sorry. I just kicked my desk off laughing no it's
0: like it's, it's something that truly blows, blows my minds of just understanding how people think gay sex works God, I but,
1: hope comments on this episode
0: i hope so too because people have to learn but that is the one thing angli gets wrong in this movie um the one other thing i just really fast with how this movie might, might have been received today is i think people are a lot more conscious today of um like, sad queer narratives. And, um, yeah. like, there's the there's a massive conversation, more in TV, but I think it carries over to film as well, about Bury Your gaze, the trope on um, where a television show will kill off a gay character shortly after they find happiness, whether it be in a relationship or they come out. Um, this happens a lot in genre television, but, um, like, it has carried over to all mediums. People are much more sensitive about that. And just, like, the idea that there should be more narratives than just tragic gay stories, which I totally agree with. Um, But I think what sticks out to me in this movie is that um, I forgot that it takes place in the 70s. Like, in my mind, it took place in, like, the 40s or 30s because Wyoming, where it's set, is just, like, a very different world than what we're used to seeing on film. But um, it made me realize, like, in many ways, this is a story that we don't usually see, even today with queer narratives like we're having more queer narratives than ever before in all mediums um but like they're usually set on a coast or like in a well-to-do area they're telling very specific stories this is a story that i think you know this would be a a flyover state like a trump red state if this movie was set today and i think that's the sort of thing where it's like we're still not getting those stories about queer people who do exist and it probably like not probably, I don't want to like generalize, but like maybe self-hating because of where they live and this movie is still relevant for that reason, so I just I don't know, I think it's very interesting, like, I think we need fuller context when talking about what queer narratives we see, what do you think?
1: No, I totally agree, I, I, yeah, I think, you put it, I think you covered it, man
0: Well, then on that case let's move into who we would vote for in these different categories um, Who would you vote for for Best Picture? Let's start there
1: yeah, I think Brokeback, obviously. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think we both are, like, it's obviously broken Mountain. Okay, moving on. Um, this might be an obvious one, too. This, I did not know until reading on Wikipedia, was the only the fourth instance after five Best Picture nominations um, were, like, the norm, where all five Best Director nom- nominees matched the five Best Picture winners, so... Um, five Best Picture nominees. So it was Ang Lee was nominated for Perker Mountain, Bennett Miller for Capote, Paul Haggis for Crash, George Clooney for Good Night and Good Luck, and Spielberg for Munich. First of all, it feels like that happens much more often than four times. That kind of blew my yeah. mind. But Wikipedia never lies. But um, I, you have to go with Ang Lee for this one. What do you think?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, also him winning, like... Is what made I remember watching that Oscar ceremony and when *Brokeback* lost, it was shocking. You could hear the gasps in the audience.
0: I mean, Jack Nicholson reacting to it, like <laughs> Jack, Jack Nicholson read like announced the best picture winner. His yeah. like crash is like one of the best reactions. Like you could just hear him <laughs> being upset on mic. <laughs> yeah, being like, "What the fuck?" I think he's. I think I don't know what' put word, words in his mouth. I think he's even like been on the record saying he was surprised.
1: Yeah, um, yeah I, I, everybody thought it would win. I mean, it had won the BAFTA, it had won the Golden Globes. The only thing that Crash won was the SAG, which seemed right at the time because it was such a you know a, a an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. But like, I, we should have all taken more into account that SAG is the biggest branch, you know. Uh, what could have been,
0: but mm-hmm. at least Ang Lee has one of his two best director nominations, best Dir- best director wins from this film. The other being Life of Pi. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy he has two. Yeah, me too. And he was the first Asian director to win Best Director, I believe. Um, Yes, so let's move on to the actors, though. This is a really fascinating acting year. Um, And I've actually seen all but one of the films nominated in the acting categories, which very rarely happens. But um, let's start with Best Actor. Philip Seymour Hoffman took the award home for Capote. Also nominated was Terrence Howard for Hustle and Flow. Heath Ledger for Brokeback Mountain, Hakeem Phoenix for Walk the Line, David Strathairn for Good Night and Good Luck. Who are you voting for?
1: Um, You know, I kind of want to give it to Heath, but, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so fucking good in that movie. Like, the way he just is constantly playing Capote as someone who is always, always, like, creating a narrative when he's talking to Perry Smith and, like, pulling the wool over his eyes like it's just so sharp i i yeah i gotta give it to him
0: he's so good but i'm gonna go with heath um it really is i think these are like two of the best performances of the 2000s nominated the same year it is such a tragic it's such a tragedy that they're both nominated the same category um really they're really good but Heath Ledger to me is just it's such a brilliant work he's so deeply wound up and then whenever he has to like Explore with emotion whether it be violence or be like crying
1: it's just like it's so painful when um, he smells that fucking shirt oh my I, god who, who among us has not cried to it honestly she's brilliant
0: in it I wish as much as I love Philip, actually oh, this is so tough like see I always forget Philip Seymour Hoffman didn't win for the master because yeah. in my mind that was like what a performance but yeah. god there's no easy way of Picking who should have won, but I will go with Heath. It's a, it's a really tough call though, and I will say I actually like all these performances, and I think Joaquin Phoenix is really good too.
1: Yeah, Joaquin um, is very good. I you know that, I I like that movie a lot. I watched that a lot when I was when it was on TV a lot. Oh, yeah, that was one. I think I did see it when it
0: came out, and I was really obsessed with it. And oh, yeah. speaking of Walk the Line, um, let's talk about Best Actress. We with Reese Witherspoon, an icon. Um, one best <laughs> actress for Walk the Line. Also nominated was Judy Dench for Mrs. Henderson Presents, a movie that I have not seen and the only one never I have not even seen. heard
1: of it. That's not a real film.
0: Judy Dench, what a career! Um, <laughs> Amer- America's favorite, um, like soon to be <laughs> criminal, conv- yeah,
1: criminal, <laughs> soon
0: to be convicted felon Felicity Huffman for <laughs> tr- Transamerica.
1: She deserved it for this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, Kira Knightley for Pride and Prejudice, and oh. Char- Charlize Theron for North Country. Um, who
1: are you going to vote for for this one? Wow. Oh, um, you know, I am Kira Knightley's biggest fan. She knows it. I know it, she doesn't actually know it, but like, <laughs> I am so in the tank for Kira, and I have watched Pride and Prejudice thousands of times. And at the time, I well, no, I probably would have still said Reese. But I, because she did Legally Blonde and that's the most important film that's ever happened. Um, and I'm, I wish Kira had won this because I don't understand why she hasn't won one. But Reese winning this one opened up her career to do crazy shit and we would not get Big Little Lies without this win. Mm-hmm. I cannot take it from Reese Witherspoon. That is a an excellent argument. I, l- let's just talk about Reese for a essay, minute. In this essay, I will.
0: <laughs> let's talk about Reese for a minute. Um, as we always should. <laughs> Um, first of all, and I think you'll agree, she should have been nominated for Legally Blonde.
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) It is one of the best comedic performances of all time. Um, but she just, I mean, she's starting to get the credit now. Like, what a good career. She she just, like, I love her, her choices, and I love the fact that she started getting really bad options given to her, and was like, you know what, I'm going to just make my own fucking projects, and has given herself wild big little eyes these incredible performances and these incredible projects that I just I love her I mean yeah I will give her this Oscar like she's my pick too but I will, will agree with you that Pride and Prejudice is really fucking good and Keira Knightley is great in it
1: um, when she and and, um, and Mr. Darcy are in the rain and it looks like they're gonna kiss I flood my basement, to quote, oh to God. <laughs> quote Ginger Minj. Like, I could, could not... I still can't handle it.
0: It is, a, like, an incredible adaptation of that book. Um, oh, so sweeping. I had to read Pride and Prejudice four times in college. <laughs> um, I think I stopped after the third. I was like, this is enough. But I can like, recite it from memory. But, um... Every, every girl can. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. And I watched that movie all the time in college because yeah. I was just like, what a good adaptation.
1: Um... I remember my my professor, my teacher at the time, because I was a senior in high school, calling it airless, and I was I'd never been more offended in my life. Joe Wright needs
0: to just continue to adapt classic works of literature, like about women. Everything he's done with Keira Knightley, I've loved. I still think about Anna Karenina. When we first met for the first time, you said Anna Karenina is why cinema exists, and I was like, "We're friends. This is it." (laughs) this is how it's going to happen (laughs) no god joe Wright, incredible um and also before she goes to jail i hope felicity huffman can hear (laughs) that she's really good in transamerica in a very problematic film and a problematic performance um that you know
1: have you seen it um i saw it at the time and i remember thinking like the makeup's a lot it is a very it it would not be
0: like okay today, and it's definitely not okay now. I watched this it's film
1: all, it, it wasn't okay like two years later, you know, yeah, and especially there's a lot of a lot of jokes
0: about her penis in the film that it just has is really gross, but I do like her performance and I like the the way she plays the character mm-hmm. um honestly,
1: I mean she's going to jail now, but like no this she, was her imperial phase, i mean this was right like you know this uh, fucking desperate housewives was the show
0: yeah and um just like she has such a good history of showing up in tinier parts she was in um i always forget which one it is i think american crime because there was american crime story and american yeah, that's, crime that's... yeah american crime was a very un- um underrated miniseries and she's really good in it um I don't know, Felicity Huffman. When you get out of jail, please go back to movies. <laughs> um, bring Aunt Becky with you. Um, so the supporting roles. Um, George Clooney won Best Supporting Actor for Siriana, which I did not know <laughs> until I like. If you had asked me what role George Clooney would have won an Oscar for, I would never say *Sirianna*, a movie I forgot existed. But I did watch it for this podcast. Um... I will. We don't. We don't know. I have to imagine a big chunk of his narrative was I won't win Best Director, so you could give me an Oscar here. Mm-hmm. But who knows? The other. It nom- was no. It, it was. It was. Yeah. Um. The other nominees were Matt Dillon for Crash, Paul Giamatti for Cinderella Man, another movie where if you asked me what Paul Giamatti was nominated for, I would never say Cinderella Man. Yeah. What the fuck. But
1: um, decent movie. <laughs> um. He's he's fine in it. He's fine in it. Just like. It's just, like, I did not even remember he was in it, and he plays a major role.
0: He did not get nominated for Sideways, and I'm just convinced it was, like, we fucked up. But um, yeah. Jake, Jake Lindenhall was also nominated for Perfect Mountain, and William Hurt
1: for A History of Violence. Who are you going to vote for? You know, man, I remember watching all these movies at the time, and it was so stark, and like, I I probably would have wanted Jake at the time, and I was probably fine with Clooney, too, because... That Oscar felt like an encouragement about, like, you know, you're right. People did – were like, oh, he won't win director. The reason people thought he wasn't going to – they didn't give him director was because they thought this was just the beginning of a, an imperial phase of career. We didn't – of his career. We didn't realize this was going to be his fucking directorial peak, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I would actually – I think I might actually give it to Dylan. Um, Interesting. Just because I – of the – I think Jake is great, but I don't know. Jake has had a career in a way that Matt Dillon hasn't. And I, Dillon is really good in a very difficult role that doesn't work as a role, but as as his, it's acted, he's very good in it,
0: honestly. He is good. It, it just, it's, uh, what a terrible role to be given. It's um, bad,
1: yeah. I mean, Clooney, Clooney's great. I mean, he gets his fingernails pulled out, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, I was like, to not expect that one. Um, it's brutal. Clooney's good in it, but, like, none of those performances stand out to me as um, anything special in Sirianna, which is a movie that I very much just felt like, whatever about by the end of it, because, as I mentioned, I do not like those dramas about, like, let's have yeah. five different subplots about this one thing. No, totally. totally. But it's so tough for me. Jake Leonard Hall is really, really good in Brooklyn Mountain, I also really love A History of Violence, and I love that... Movie. Oh, man,
1: I hate that movie. Really? Ooh, I well, love cause that Well, because I movie. read the comic book beforehand, which mm. or graphic novel. Sorry. Um, uh, uh-oh. The nerds are going to come
0: for us now. Yeah,
1: excuse me. Um, and it's very different. So when I went into that movie, I thought I was getting one thing, and then I was like, oh, this is not that. I, I'm i confused. Interesting. So, yeah, and I just, like, I I'd make fun of that movie a lot because there's that scene where Maria Bello walks out of her bathroom and she's got a robe on, but she doesn't tie the robe. So it's like, no woman would put on a robe without tying it. Why does she not tie the robe? Like, why is her bush hanging out through this whole fucking dramatic scene? I just like the whole time I was like, this is a man thing. Like a man, a man directed this because it's such a male gaze thing to have her like just fully bush out in In a scene that's very dramatic, and where realistically for the character she would cover herself up because she's mad at her husband at that moment. it's just like it 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 was such a bad directing and acting choice that it took me out of it. Both of those sexual
0: scenes in that film are so poorly done, like what there, there's the the other one is when she's in a cheerleader outfit and oh. They like sixty nine, and I was like, "What is oh, this?" Oh God, I forgot about that, but you're right. Oh, it's so bad. Like those scenes are really terrible. I like the movie otherwise. I've always meant to read the graphic novels. So I've heard it's excellent, but I have not gotten around to it. But I do love <laughs> William Hurt in that film. He, I love the way he is like in it for probably less than ten minutes, and makes this big impression over the movie. I also like He's the Harris. best thing in it for sure. I agree yeah, with him. I also like Ed Harris a lot in it. Um, who was not nominated, which is kind of surprising, but um, I'll go with Jake. Though it's a really good performance, and it is shocking to me that it's still his only Oscar-nominated performance. That is, I constantly forget he was not nominated for Nightcrawler.
1: Yeah, you know, actually, you you make a good point because the thing I don't like about Jake now is that he is trying so hard to get an Oscar oh. that like he just. It's making me just dis- um, – like it's hard to watch his work because the desperation is so prevalent. So like if he had won if, – if this were like a Reese Witherspoon moment for him where he could just like relax <laughs> and do interesting work rather than be like, oh, I need a fucking Oscar. Like maybe we'd have a different Jake Gyllenhaal, you know? And I want that Jake Gyllenhaal. I want Bubble Boy Jake Gyllenhaal back.
0: <laughs> I am just we'll, – we'll talk about Jake in a little bit. I have a lot to say about Jake when we yeah. get some movies we would have nominated. Um. Supporting actress, Rachel Wise, gay icon, won for The Constant Gardener, um, and also nominated was another gay icon, Amy Adams. Um, her for, first? Her first for *June Bug*, a movie that I watched on a plane a few months ago and really mm. liked. Um, Catherine Keener for Capote, which is kind of crazy because I love Catherine Keener and I'll never begrudge her nomination, but that is not a very juicy role in that
1: film. But she's good in it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. That's the second time we've been like, really, Catherine Keener? But we both love her. It's like, I feel bad to say it, but it, it just keeps happening. <laughs> they
0: just ignore her good roles. But yeah. um, Frances McDormand for North Country and Michelle Williams for Brooklyn Mountain. Who would you voting for?
1: Oh, man, it's so tough because like on some level, like at the time, I love Rachel Weisz because of The Mummy. I am eternally grateful to Rachel Weisz for everything she's ever done um but she didn't disappear for a while and like i don't know if she would have done that if she wouldn't have had that oscar and i would have liked to keep her around more that said michelle williams gives the performance of a career there's like no one knew she had that in her all we knew about her before that was dawson's creek she absolutely should have won that oscar and it's stupid that she doesn't already have one
0: yeah, she's absolutely my winner. She's amazing in in this movie. Yeah. And especially when you consider how much of her role is silent. Like mm. in oh, my
1: I mean, it's so reactive.
0: It's yeah. so reactive. In my mind, it was this movie with like all these really great Oscar clips, and they kind of are, but in terms of like scenes with dialogue, she really only has one. And then so much of it is just these reactions and it, it's it's incredible.
1: Um she I... blows it out of the fucking park when when or during that scene though the way she's just hysterically crying about the fucking fishing trip it's like god damn
0: this woman's incredible and uh, such a good monologue i forgot how good that monologue about the the note she left oh my god yes yeah i will say amy adams is
1: excellent in june bug that movie has some problems and it's not aged great but um i haven't seen it it's one of my great like i remember hearing about it then and hearing how good Amy Adams' one was and I just never got a chance to see it and I still haven't. It's like one of it's the great, you know, missing part of Amy Adams's career that I haven't seen.
0: She is really great in it. For those who don't know, it's a it's a little film about um <clears throat> like a rich woman from the city um played by Embeth David's, I think. Um and yes, Embeth David's. Um, who travels with her new husband to meet his family in like rural America. Amy Adams is his, is his sister-in-law. It's a movie that I think, in a post-2016 world, will never have the same meaning. Like mm. In the back of my head the whole time, I was like, you could not have this movie that, right now and not address politics. But um, it's an interesting movie, and Amy Adams is really funny in it and very sweet. Um, and I like Rachel Weisz a lot, too, but I just do not like that character she's stuck with in the concert gardener it's just like a plot device that she is left to play
1: yeah i mean it does feel like you know sometimes there's those oscars that are like vote of confidence oscars and she'd done some pretty good work up till then so like that's definitely it and like Frances had won one not that long ago and and michelle and amy were untested so like i understand why it was rachel vice in that group Mm -hmm. but i do wish it had been michelle williams because she has just done such phenomenal work i literally was talking about her um, with someone the other day because they had, they've been watching Fosse Verdon, but I haven't had time and i it's the saddest thing about my life right now. But like, <laughs> I remember saying to her, like, listen, I love Mia Marilyn and she does not feel like Marilyn at all in that, in that my week with Marilyn movie, mm-hmm. but she somehow captures the star power of Marilyn Monroe, which is yes. the thing that nobody else can capture. Um, and like, that's impressive to be able to do that like convey the way the camera loves her and like not even ever have been considered as like, as a great beauty in the, on the level of Maryland. Like that woman is fucking talented. And like, we're, we're all sleeping on it.
0: She's wonderful. She, I, I just wish she was given better roles basically. Like she has to like really go to indie films that are ignored, unfortunately to get yeah. these great parts. And then, you know, I am not a fan of her performance at all in um what is the movie called? Fuck, uh, Manchester by the Sea*. Um, oh. like that is just uh, that one left a bad taste in, in my mouth, and I remember thinking the whole season I was like, "Don't win for this movie." <laughs> but um no, Did otherwise you see her and I am pretty, or I feel pretty. No, but everyone talks about that role, and I need to Bastard. watch it for her.
1: It is it is the comedic performance of that year in. It was so good because it's so fucking funny. You absolutely have to see it for her. She's brilliant in it. She makes a fucking choice, and it's the funniest <laughs> choice possible. I had to watch it. And also,
0: Fosse is very interesting, um, but she's – like, it's, it's flawed, but she's by far the best part about it. Oh yeah,
1: that's what I keep hearing. I can't wait.
0: Um, all right. So <clears throat> we always like to spotlight a special category and this year this year god this episode we're going to focus on the best animated feature film category where wallace and gromit the curse of the were rabbit won best animated film also nominated were howl's moving castle and tim Burton's corpse bride i'm gonna throw this over to marissa though marissa let's talk animated movie
1: yeah matt is being very nice and indulging me because we were gonna do like song and then i was like oh but the were rabbit <laughs> movie is nominated we have to do that one um just because like I, I mean it's an indulgence pick a little bit but also like a miyazaki film was was nominated from that year mm-hmm. and like one of the most beloved do you know what i mean oh um, yeah
0: one of my friends got a tattoo about Hal's movie castle
1: <laughs> exactly like this <clears throat> like what a year for animated films i will say i think corpse bride is really overrated like that for me was the beginning that was that film was the exact film where i was like mm tim burton lost it didn't he like Truly in my head. I, like, said it in the middle of the movie. I was like, oh, he's done now. This is it for him. Um, I, I also say that, though, because um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory came out that year, and it was, like, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, like, a fascinating a fascinating category, like, of, of, like, oh, I didn't realize all these things came out at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you just, like, look at a category and be like, oh, yeah, that's, like, where we are in history. Like... Revenge of the Sith comes out in this same year, which is insane to think of, even though, of course it did. Like, a, I, don't, I don't know how I missed that. You know what I'm saying? It's um, such an
0: interesting year for popular films because, yes. like, you know, none of these films nominated by best made a feature film really lit the box office on fire. Like, none of them oh. were flops necessarily, but, like... None of them were these blockbuster hits that, like, where now Best Animated Film was always these movies that made a shitload of money. And right, it's it, all
1: this, like, Pixar shit.
0: Like, this was the year 2005 um, where Chicken Little came out, and that's the only anim- animated movie that I can think of in my memory of, like, being from that year that I definitely saw in theaters. Um, I, I saw Corpse oh, Bride God, in theaters as well.
1: Chicken Little was bad.
0: Oh, it was terrible. I remember even, yeah. oh, like, Jesus. I was still at that age where I was, like, predisposed to liking animated films much more and those are like one of the only things that like <clears throat> you would forever be brought to to see in theaters and um, I remember just being like no this is stupid <laughs> and yeah. same with Corpse honestly I really it's hated bad Corpse. it's, it's bad. so bad yeah. it's just there's. I mean I'll be honest Tim Burton does not work for me very much and um, I actually this is going to get me like fucking murdered online I turned off A Nightmare for Christmas at, because I just like as an adult because I was like this is stupid and I
1: do not want to waste my time <laughs> sorry but um, I saw it as a kid and I don't think I can see it um like critically anymore but um yeah you know it is interesting looking at this year that like this is besides Miyazaki with you know the Miyazaki film which like Howl's Moving Castle people love but like and I I am a complete defender of Rabbit. like and I don't need to defend it it's great y'all just didn't see it but like to imagine that like this is probably one of the last years that people did not give a shit about animated film because look at that shitty fucking lineup of like, and it's not a shitty lineup. I'm just saying that because Corpse Bride is in that. But like <laughs> the fact that Corpse Bride, which is not even a good film, was nominated was is like such a testament to like, wow, we did not make good animated films like literally like 14 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's really a snapshot of a different time. It's kind of insane. Was there no Pixar movie this year? Like uh, Clearly not. My God, wow. Um, yeah.
1: Because I think, I mean, at that point, I think they were only making, like, every two years or so, because it was just a lot of work. So they yeah. just weren't, you know, doing it. But I will say, we talked to, I shout on Corpse Bride a lot, but I do want to say that, like, Where Rabbit is a genuinely good film, people. You like stop-motion animation. Um, this is a good one to watch. It's a horror movie, obviously. Um, <laughs> but it's also very humorous. And, like... It just does great. I think this is actually where they introduced Shaun the Sheep too. No, that that's something else. No, of course not. That's that's the sheer one. That's the short. What am I talking about? Um, but yeah, like it's great. It is a lot of fun. It the animation is wonderful. But like Americans have a a different um, concept of the studio that made it because the biggest, the first American hit they had, and the first like big American film they had was chicken run which is a lot of people don't like i i think it's fine but i, I have friends who really hate it um, i like that one i Run. Yeah, fond rice. memories <laughs> yeah i mean it's mel gibson now which is problematic but you know yeah. but like that was so polished and this one was deliberately less polished because they were like we lost the character that everybody liked about our films and like grommet never speaks because he's a fucking dog so like these are half half silent films essentially um and, like, the shit that they pull off with, like, a character who doesn't speak, who's technically, like, one of our leads, is so smart. And it's and it's a werewolf movie. It's so good. And, like, <laughs> you got people just watch Wallace and Gromit. I'm serious. And, like, also, if you don't watch Wallace and Gromit, maybe just watch Shaun the Sheep, which is actually one of the best silent films I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> I will need to check this out. I also have been meaning to watch Howl's Moving Castle. I mm-hmm. missed all of Miyazaki as a kid. I was, like... It was just never even shown to me.
1: But I think I was too old by this point. You know, like, my parents wouldn't have brought me to it, and I would have had to find it myself, so I just never... But, I like, I watched it afterwards, you know?
0: Yeah, I've started to watch some of his because a lot of my friends are really big fans of his that, like, grew up with his films. And I'm, like... I've kind of started in the, like, in order, almost. Like, I've seen yeah. um, Kiki's Delivery Service, which is adorable, and um, The Princess Mononoke. So mm-hmm. I gotta get up to this one.
1: I admit that, the, like, the tone doesn't isn't always for me it's like not it's just not what i'm looking for mm-hmm. but i totally see the craft like it's beautiful they're all beautifully made um have you seen the sean the sheep by the way i have not
0: i missed oh my all god those.
1: watch sean the sheep they're making a sequel i can't wait for it and it's truly a silent movie there's no dialogue it's just like people making sounds like vague sounds like he baths every once in a while and then there's like a um uh, uh, like a farmer who shears them you know mm-hmm. who just goes blah, 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 he just like <laughs> mumbles the whole time it's so good like there's not any dialogue in it you have to watch it it's, it's excellent you'll be blown away i promise
0: i have to do it i've missed so many animated movies like from the past 15 years like basically it was like once i became too old to see animated movies in theaters with friends it's like i only saw the theater, like the really big ones like disney ones so i gotta do some catching up but, one other thing I, I noticed with animated films this year, um, in the animated short film category, the short film 9 was nominated, which became that live action movie 9. like yes. the, the weird steampunk animated film that, like, Hot Topic kids in my high school loved and no one else did. <laughs> I have you never seen it. I've
1: never liked it. I've never seen it. I just I remember it.
0: It was one of those movies that I remember, like, a very particular set of students... We're going to go like went to go see it and i yeah. was just like oh this is one of those movies
1: it's pretty good you should catch it actually i'll catch i'll catch
0: it one day um shane acker whatever happened to him um that's a director for people who don't know these things um so now we will highlight the films from 2005 that we think should have been given a better um dealt a better hands at the academy awards you can start marissa what films do you want to give some a special shout out to
1: well, I am actually. T- I'm taking the definition of this whole segment a little broader at first because I have some films that I want to mention. But first, I I really I I want to apologize for Anne Hathaway for not understanding how good she was with back at the time. Oh my god! Um, yes, I, I was gonna do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing: we we just weren't thinking of her correctly, and there's obviously a lot of internal internalized misogyny involved in that. But we all realize that now, and she is phenomenal in that. Her phone call with with Heath Ledger, where she's trying not to cry, is so good.
0: That scene is one of the best acted moments like I've ever seen. I, I like I love Anne Hathaway. I think that the hate she received in like the post like post world is so fucking terrible. It's internalized misogyny. I'm not kidding, man. Oh no, completely, and it's like. I'm happy that there seems to be sort of a reevaluation a re- going on in like cer- cer- certain corners of the internet. Like she's yeah. getting some more respect back, but like, God, she she was always great. Like we do not respect her enough as an actress. She's
1: literally never been bad. Like I made fun of that 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 we talked about it once. That movie where she tries to go real edgy and shit, and someone gets raped right in front of her. But like that movie's just bad. She's fine in it. No,
0: yeah, she's like I mean, what's it called that? um the weird movie serenity from this year mm. like terrible movie she's trying her hardest and is t- trying her best to save it. like she's That's such great. a good actor she's a theater kid
1: and Ugh. theater kids are good people i'll never forgive james Franco for what he did to her on that oscars she got the last laugh though like she's oh like, yeah ultimately yeah
0: even i'm thinking of like she's been in some truly terrible movies like love and other drugs is one of the worst movies i've like I ever seen girl. The most awkward date I've ever been on. I don't want to talk about it, but um, <laughs> terrible date movie. N- don't go see very sex like movies. A lot of nudity for on dates people, but um, bad movie. She's great in it. <laughs> I see that gif all the time of like Is it isn't fair, but I'm like you know that was a
1: good scene. <laughs> yes, your one good moment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, did I God. mention the other movies or do you want to no wanna go add? for it? Okay. Um, so one of them we already kind of talked about, which was Pride and Prejudice, which like. Gets better it every time I see it. It is so good. It's so well made. Everyone is good, as it, good in it. Rosamond Pike is in it. It gives her. It 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 gave her to us. So like we should respect it more. Um, and Carrie Mulligan. It is. Yes, exactly. And it's so well made. And every actor is good in it. And every minute is iconic. Even that stupid long shot of him walking down that field is so and campy and stupid and I still wish it were shorter (laughs) but but you know what I've turned around on it and accepted that stupid bullshit um and the last one is one that is not mentioned we haven't mentioned yet but is nominated for some things and it's it might be a surprise and I understand the implications and the problematicness of it but it's match point um the Woody Allen film with uh John Reese myers and Scarlett Johansson and Emily Mortimer right Yeah, yeah, shit, wow. Uh, Yeah, I I saw that movie, I'm not kidding you, hundreds of times. Like, I saw it probably more than once in theaters. I saw it with my parents. We did not have any, they did not have any restrictions on what I watch, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I watched it dozens and dozens of times, and my friends and I watched it dozens and dozens of times. It's really sexy. Scarlett Johansson is incredible in it. She, the fact that she wasn't nominated, again, feels like fucking internalized misogyny. I don't understand. Completely. It. It's, it's a brilliant femme fatale role. And she's not even the femme fatale. John Reese Myers is. And he never got... He, for alcoholism, you know, the, he has a real problem or whatever, but, like, he never reached... This was the his best moment. I mean, well, I mean, Tudors, I'm sorry. Like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't apologize. No one remembers that show.
1: <laughs> well, trust me, I do. I have the first two seasons on DVD because, boy, does he get naked a lot in it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, he's so good in it. And the movie is so good. And it's, I think, one of uh, probably Woody Allen's best directorial effort because it's the one of the few films of his that has a sense of style. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, re- it researched his career for a while, which now is bad. But, like, at the time I was fine with because i didn't know any better um although i did see him and suny in the wild once in italy of all things really? um yeah <laughs> my family and i were on vacation they were on the same vaporetto um but like he it it feels like a movie that he didn't write or direct even though he did write and direct it
0: yeah i mean look we'll, we'll talk about woody allen a lot on this podcast yeah. we ha- i'm kind of shocked this is the first time it's he's come up But, um... Yeah, we've been
1: doing weird years, I guess.
0: Yeah, we'll have to talk about him so much, especially in the 70s and 80s. We're gonna have to talk about his movies. He's a terrible person. He should burn in hell. Um, But Matchpoint's really fucking good. And that is the... It's still good. It's still good. The unfortunate cross we have to bear. Yeah. Good movie. Terrible human being. Scarlett Johansson's amazing in it. She has never been able to have such an interesting role since then.
1: No, I mean... She comes close to Vicky Christina, but that's because it's it's Woody Allen again. That we can talk
0: actually we probably won't ever be able to talk about Scrajo quite a like quite like this again. But like, um what like like people just do not know how to use her and give her oh. the worst parts. She's really good at match point.
1: Yeah, she's she's brilliant in it. And then like it's unfortunate that some leering piece of shit, you know, asshole like is the only one who could figure her out and nobody else quite has like not even Marvel. this woman is literally like the most bankable star in the world because of those marvel films and not even they have figured out quite how to use her yet they're going to in in you know the black widow spinoff whenever it eventually happens but like it shouldn't have taken this long
0: i've also been reading a lot on forms for the upcoming Oscar season. And she's in Jojo Rabbit, the film that Taika Waititi is doing, which is oh. getting a lot of early buzz. Yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah. apparently she has an incredible role in it. So, we'll see. But that movie, without going on the tangent, sounds like it could be Green Book-esque if they're not careful. I'm, I'm worried about it, but oh, it'll Yeah, be admittedly
1: she has made a lot of problematic choices, so that seems possible.
0: But, you know, she's, she's really good in this. Mm-hmm. Never been as good again. Um, cool. Do you have any, any other movies you want to highlight? Or? No,
1: that that's it. That's it.
0: So I have a handful. Um, if we're going to talk about formative Matt Taylor film experiences from 2005, I think Jarhead made me like men. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I jar-
1: agreed. <laughs> <laughs> His ass gave the performance of the year.
0: It did. Jarhead is a really interesting film that made me think
1: things in 2005 that i was like huh like is what's... it the santa hat was that was that what did it for you of course it was the santa hat oh my god. god bless that santa hat even looking
0: at the poster on letterboxd right now of like just J- jake bare bareback i'm like mm, that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in all seriousness it's a really great movie um sam yeah. sam mendes i was this a, no it was not his follow-up to American Beauty was his third film, and that um, man can direct a good fucking movie. And it was weirdly ignored. I guess people just like, you know, we were talking so much about like the post 9 11 mood in America, and I guess people really were not interested in exploring um, modern warfare, but were interested, like, semi mod, this is the 90s, but like. Yeah,
1: they no, nobody wanted to touch the, the, the wire directly, do you know?
0: Yeah. But great movie that I think in some corners, especially the gay community, no, like not even as a joke, like it's been reevaluated and it's considered really good. One hundred percent. But great movie, great. But um, <laughs> we already talked about history of violence, so I won't dwell on that one. Um, but I do like that one quite a bit. And then one movie that was like never even remotely close to us for conversation, so I don't want to like make it sound like it was snubbed or anything like that because as we've talked about many times you have to play the game but one of my favorite movies of all time was released this year and that is the, the descent um neil marshall's oh, man neil yeah yeah um <laughs> uh, neil marshall's cave set horror movie that um where about a group of women who go cave diving and not a metaphor.
1: Well, it is actually.
0: Never mind. It is. No, yeah. it is some interesting stuff going on that I definitely did not realize as a kid and then yeah. was like, damn, this movie is like deep. But um, no, it is one of my favorite movies in like a world where these, like it might have been different, like received differently today, but in a world like that was a little more fair to genre films, like we would actually talk about him for a Best Director nomination because I think there's he does some really fascinating things um, with just how he puts you in this like cave like there's those shots of them crawling through tunnels that are so claustrophobic and so tense and then he also has them on cliff sides that are just like you feel the height and i really love this movie um one of my favorite things about like my friend group is that a lot of them don't really follow movies so i can like bring them to um bring just bring the movies and be like hey let's watch this and one of my favorite things i ever did was tell people that it was just a movie about girls who go cave diving and like it's <laughs> stuck down there and then when it becomes a monster movie halfway through the <laughs> it, the screams in my basement were <laughs> were wonderful it was such a good some going experience was uh, wonderful um really fast though it's actually fun looking at Letterbox like 2005 list some really famous movies that i just think we should like name check came out this year i mean like yeah. Batman Begins came out this year, and neither of us have talked
1: about it, and I feel like... Because it's it's not a good Batman movie, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I think (laughs) The Dark Knight is great, but I think Batman Begins is shit. As a young Batman lover, I remember seeing that movie and being like, God, this is a piece of trash.
0: I remember seeing it in theaters, um, and I have definitely seen it since then. But I truly remember so little of Batman Begins, which is interesting because I have seen The Dark Knight... Like most Americans, maybe like 30 times.
1: Thousands of, yeah, because it's not good. It just isn't, guys. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I'm not going to defend it. (laughs) Um, Harry Potter Goblet of Fire came out this year, which is a pretty, um, (laughs) I like that one. I know, I, I feel like people don't like that one, but I
1: thought it was fine. I don't know. I love that one. Oh, the soup did a thing about it, too, about it. Well, I mean, now it would be really problematic, but they, they like, they made it, they made a cut of the trailers that made it seem as if um Harry and Ron were sleeping together. And it was like <laughs> I just remember Joel McHale being like reading reading the title of being like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Like just <laughs> as sort of like as sexual as possible. <laughs> I think I kinda remember that actually. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's some of the best editing I've ever seen. I'm sure it reads very not good now, but it was so funny at the time.
0: And then some movies were released this year that are Hated, and I think they deserve some spotlight, too. I mean, like... Oh, and also just in terms of good movies, chronic or movies that are remembered fondly. Chronicles of Darnia came out this year, and I remember that movie being the biggest thing in my Catholic school, <laughs> because it's about Jesus, in case you didn't pick up on the very subtle metaphor <laughs> in the Chronicles of Darnia line, The Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> but um, some hated movies from this year. Um, rent. Is yeah, Rent, Rent. rent <laughs> Mike, <my>, one of... <laughs> I think one of the most like soul crushing experiences of my young life were like yeah. because I wasn't able to see Rent in theaters for whatever reason, which is shocking because of how much my parents liked it. But um, we just missed it in theaters for whatever reason. And then I remember literally counting the days until I could buy the DVD. And I bought the DVD the night it was released from Best Buy. Um, I remember we went to Target first, and they did not have it. And I had to drive to a Best Buy, and I was I was panicked. People, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh wow, this is a terrible movie and i was in deep denial for about a year that it was actually really good but yeah
1: um i don't you know it was my because i was a california girl what do i know that was my (laughs) first time watching rent um that movie and i loved it because i was like wow this music is great some things don't work i don't understand why they cut the best song out of the actual film that's weird um (laughs) you know uh but like i yeah i still have an affection for it even though it largely does not work Rosario Dawson's excellent in it, and so good. Well, the Tango Maureen number is brilliant in it. Frankly,
0: it's well done, but I just like
1: yeah. No, I, I get you.
0: It's it's I don't know. I am a friend's purist. Um, and then one last film that I just feel like we need to talk about. One that I remember the pop culture conversation around so much. House of Wax with Paris Hilton.
1: Oh yeah, see Paris die. A movie I.
0: Fully loved and i still love it is one of my favorite trash ter- trash to pieces mm-hmm. oh my god it, like, it's gorgeous looking people it is like the sets and like the beautiful tw- young 20-somethings being hunted down by these really aesthetic killers like the the alt rock soundtrack that i still remember the needle drop of helena helena or helena <gasps> um by michael gorman to the end oh of it my
1: god.
0: it's an That's, iconic
1: film <laughs> it it is you know it's funny like the things I remember about that film are less about anything that happens in it. Um, well, except for the sea Paris die thing, but like that was how they, how they, you know, advertised it. And I was a big, real big, simple, um, simple life fan. So I certainly was like, how dare they? She's so dumb. Why would they be mean to her? Um, <laughs> but the thing I most remember or associated with is that uh, Chad Michael Murray cheats on Sophia Bush, who was his wife at the time. With Paris while they're filming that film. That happens? Yes. That's Whoa. why they broke up. But they were still on One Tree Hill. And then they had to play romance. Like complete. Still play a romance on that show. After they were divorced. <laughs> because he Paris Hilton in New Zealand. Or wherever the fuck they filmed it. Um. Oh yeah. It was a big blowout. And ever since. My friend and I had called him the man pig. For what he'd done to poor Sophia Bush. Oh, I mean,
0: if we're talking about formative Matt Taylor crushes, Chad Michael Murray in a tank top was definitely one of them. But he was... Listen, I owned the first season of One Tree Hill. I understand. <laughs> but, you know, trash is trash. Um, and, yeah, we, they would never be able to market it, just, justifiably, never be able to market a movie over, like, watching an actress in a die. That's pretty
1: sick. But, yeah, um... it's really bad. Like, again, internalized misogyny, we didn't even know how strong it was in 2005. Especially since she's not bad in the movie. Like I don't. know they're, She's they're not, fine. They're not doing Shakespeare here. It's like she has to react. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. All right. I mean, this is. Can a I re- actually mention one more film that I I really that isn't now that I've realized that there's like a film that I really liked that came out that year that no, like nobody do.
0: Saw. there are so many movies from this year that I'm looking at. I'm
1: like, Jesus. This year's, this it's so good. 40 year old Virgin comes out this year. Cinderella man, which is fine. But like layer cake comes out the re- this year, which is the reason he, you know, he's James Bond mm-hmm. now. But, um, the one I wanted to point out, which was honestly one of my favorite is still one of my favorite movies all of all time that I'm sure most people who are listening to this podcast have never seen, but my family, my mom and I love, and all my friends love is a film called hard candy um which gave us both patrick wilson and ellen page um it's it's a little red riding hood um story but because she's a young girl and he's you know a man grown man um she comes over to his house and you're like oh girl you're about to get fucking murdered and then they flip the script and he gets drugged and wakes up tied to his table and she's got like knives out and she's like you came after one of my my friends when I'm, you know, like one of my girlfriends in high school, um, and it turns into this whole like thriller. It's it probably I haven't watched it in a couple of years, and the sexual politics may not work now, but I remember it blew my mind at the time, and the direction is incredible. You ever seen it?
0: I haven't. I remember the trailer so well and wanting to see it so badly, but like never coming across a copy at my local library. I really should see it eventually. Like it, it's so my
1: thing, and I love Ellen it, Page oh man it came out almost exactly like you know uh 14 years ago how weird um Very weird. but yeah my mom and i saw it with my best friend on easter i think and we were like <laughs> what a way to celebrate like seeing men punished <laughs> like so <laughs> wonderful we're we're wild um, we were like so excited about it um yeah man it's so good bro like ellen page has never has like been good in other things but honestly she's never been as good as she was in this role and it's just because no one's really given her anything to do but like she'll blow your fucking mind in this and she's like a teenager or some shit um and Patrick Wilson is really good in it and it's like the direction is incredible the cinematography particularly is like just shocking and it's David Slade who made a bunch of shit after oh Sandra Oh is in it I totally forgot how could I forget no I have to watch you have to watch it Matt you would I think like you, i mean, again. I haven't watched it in a couple years, so maybe the politics of it don't work. But it is a masterpiece, I or was at the time. It. And it's like this is the reason he got fucking Eclipse. Apparently, I think like someone actually said that <laughs> Eclipse. <laughs> like I remember, I swear to you, I remember a review or a, an interview at the time where I was like, "Oh my god, it's the guy from Hard Candy. He's doing Eclipse." My, you know, <laughs> the next movie in my least favorite but also most beloved franchise, please. <laughs>
0: I think Eclipse is the only one I've seen the Twilight, of the Twilight films. So, what? you know.
1: You, we need, no, that's it. We can't, can't record another one until you've watched all of them. They okay. are, no, Twilight is the best movie, the best comedy of 2008. And I won't hear anything different.
0: I mean, I downloaded all the soundtracks. They're all on my iTunes account. But, um, oh God, this year is stacked. I mean, my God, we also, I mean, I don't like this movie, but Serenity is from this year, which was like the nerd's oh, yeah. favorites. Um I mean it's fine, I don't dislike it. Brangelina was born in Mr. and Mrs. Smith this year. A movie, a that, movie I love. A movie that I loved at the time, but I saw on cable a few months, a few weeks ago. Or I'm sure ago. it's aged horribly. They have no chemistry really enough. It is <laughs> like for a couple that were like iconic. Um yeah. two more movies really, really fast that or like three actually, fuck, that like came out within weeks of each other but that meant a lot to me. In middle school um when is sky high the disney movie with superheroes that oh my god i fully loved in middle school i've so seen much. that
1: because um my roommate in college my well like post college was obsessed with mary elizabeth winstead and she's in that
0: she's really good in it, michael, it. michael angarano was another formative crush um i wanted him to be my big brother but whatever um I, we can unpack that later <laughs> totally <laughs> um but also into more like grown-up movies because i swear i'm a grown-up um skeleton key and red eye i think they both came out around the same time like with the, like i the same weekend or a week apart both those movies were some of the first like scary movies i actually saw and no. Like Skeleton Key, I don't know how it's aged. I haven't seen it in a while. It's probably pretty problematic, but um, that's the film with Kate Hudson as like a hospice nurse who like
1: it gets... doesn't age well. I remember I watched. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. But I it loved was good it so at the time, much. Though.
0: And then Red Eye has aged well. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like it's that's Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy on an airplane together. Wes Craven directed it. Um incredibly suspenseful for middle school met i love that movie i love rachel mcadams and all things um yeah damn this year for a year with like oscar movies where it's really Brooklyn Johnson and, and a bunch of other like non-factors lots of great blockbusters this year
1: yeah it's a wonderful year for, for for film so it's odd that like it just speaks to the oscars and how depressed we all were that you know what not got nominated was nominated god i think we should
0: wrap up though because we've gone long and we thank you for listening to us reminisce about our 2005 movie (laughs) movie memories and all the men that made me realize i was queer (laughs) Uh, that's of course the purpose of this podcast but um next week we are going to be discussing i don't know if the document is it 1944
1: yeah, it's 1944, uh, go, Going My Way won that year, we're gonna have a guest this time, um, we were supposed to have a guest this time in case anybody is tracking that, um, but uh, <laughs> scheduling conflicts occurred, so it was just the two of us, but um, yeah, next time it's two th- or 1994, or ni- <sighs> 1944. And Going My Way is rough if I remember correctly. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll about but
0: it. a lot of other good movies. Yeah. Um, Let's sign off. Marissa, where can people find more of your
1: work online? Um, on the site, uh, please read all of my Tribeca reviews and at Marissa Carpico on every social media thing.
0: And you can find me at, on Twitter at MattNMFU1 and, and on Letterboxd at MattT. Thanks for listening, everybody.